Here we go. Hello and welcome to another RTL podcast. Today we can speak to you from the Winford Arms in Bridgewater. In is it really Bridgewater? I think that's uh, Bridgewater, Bridgewater Road, Bidbinster or something. Someone on the outskirts of Bristol. Anyway. West Country based. That's all you need to know. West Country based. <coughs> and um, today, Jeff and I are not drinking alcohol. Some of you may find that surprising, but today I am drinking a pint of Diet Coke. Well, I'm not, I'm not making a commitment for the rest of the day, but we're not currently <laughs> drinking. We're not currently drinking. I'm drinking a pint of lime and soda. <sighs> there we go. Refreshing, refreshing. Yes, rehydrating. How are you, Jeff? I'm good, I'm good, yeah. Been for a run this morning, again, which I hate, but at least I'm I doing hate, it. I hate running. No personal best, but... Um, I, even though I haven't beaten my time, there's lots of ways that you can improve. I, I was, this is what I was thinking while I was running today. There's lots of ways that you can improve. I mean, there's the obvious, the, the actual time it takes me to, to do the same distance, or you know, you could run for longer in the same amount of time, or you know, when you get back, you're less out of breath, or something like that. There's lots of ways that you can measure it. But there's another, for me, considering how much I don't like running, the fact that I woke up this morning and thought, oh, I don't really want to go running, but I did. And you know, I, I've kept my schedule. That that's quite a you know mark of success for me. I haven't stopped. I, I haven't just you've kept your keep your continuing there. Yeah, I'm, I'm building up that resilience or something. Maybe I don't know. But there's, there are different ways that you can measure success. I think is what I was thinking today. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very good. I haven't been doing any form of exercise at all this morning. No, not today. Not today. I've but been doing a lot more swimming yeah. and a lot more um, cycling. Yeah. Which feels good. Yeah. My metrics. I wasn't planning on talking about metrics, but um, now you're there. It now comes up. It comes up a lot, doesn't it? I mean, I very rarely go by a week without seeing something on Twitter or someone asking me a question about, you know, what what are the right metrics for for agile or anything really. And metrics is a dangerous game. Mm. You get what you measure, as they say. Well, yeah, and people do pay attention to to what's measured, and they, it's uh, they'll, they'll they'll try and meet it somehow in the easiest possible way, really, for, possibly from a self defence. But there's there can be a motivational aspect to it if it's done well, mm-hmm. but often it leads to almost every metric that I've seen in an organisation has led to undesired consequences, mm. undesired behaviours. Mm. Velocity, velocity is the big one for me. Yeah. In fact, um, one thing we did, um, it leads nicely, dovetails nicely into a question we had. We, we offered the people the chance on Twitter, didn't we, just to send in some uh, questions for us mm-hmm. or anything that you'd like us to discuss. Um, we had a couple. One of them was about velocity. Okay. Well, it's, uh, it's a bit of a... Di- well, I mean, we, we started this by saying we weren't going to have, a, have an agenda or a topic, but... Okay. But we did it this week. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> and one of them was about velocity. Yeah. Uh, and I'll, I'll read you the question. I've got it on my phone here. Just okay. to, um, it was from... Uh, who was it from? It was from David A. Kuntz, who was saying... How do you calculate velocity when you have an unfinished story? What specially happens to it? Jeff Watts. That's what he said. He's asking you. Oh, I don't know. Because your name's in there as well. <laughs> yeah, my name's in there as well. Um, well, but it's for me, anyway, mm-hmm. this, is, this is, again, a, I think this, when this happens, and I see this quite a lot, 
when teams are starting to get into the into the mindset of calculating velocity and targeting velocity and working out the pre the precise velocity and mm. whether we can take we've got an unfinished story did we if it's an eight point story do we take five did we do five points of it or did we do three points of it for me they're using velocity in the wrong way okay velocity is just something that actually happens i mean we're trying to be too precise. If, that, if that's what we're trying to do, we're mm. trying to be too precise about it. There is no guarantee that if we did three points of an eight-point story that that sprint, that that will happen next in the next fortnight anyway. Mm. I do think that teams should probably retrospectively look back to see how their estimates weigh up. Mm. I think that's probably a good idea. But if if we finished, if we if we did, we either did and we didn't finish it. Should we really be splitting hairs about how much of it we actually did finish? I guess if I was to play a counter argument, I suppose I'd say, well, if I'm looking to gather data, then I want that data to be as as accurate as possible. Um, and I, I, I'm going to tie in one of the things that I think you're saying there, which is around it's it's more more a, a long-term aggregated measure of usefulness than any yes. short-term specific measure of usefulness. So I guess for me there would be sort of at least two aspects to this question. One is the, the mechanical ways that you can deal with it. So you could ask yourself, have we actually delivered a, a, a functional part of that story, in which case we could you know, split it, get the, get the credit for the points that we have done and put the rest back on the backlog. Um, if, if we haven't, then we get no credit for it, and you know, we'll pick it up next time. And uh, when you when you aggregate a number of sprints over the in the future, it will get taken into account that way. Just to pick up on something you said, I'm, a bit, I'm feeling pedantic today, right. so excuse me for that. But you said there twice. You referenced the point getting credit for it, right? Yep. So, in my mind, mm -hmm. velocity, story points, however you dictate it, was never intended as a a measure to give teams credit. Okay. And but I don't. I think that's something that's that's happened. Mm -hmm. That teams feel that's how they're assessed. Interesting. Because when I said that, I was thinking about giving myself credit. Who's myself? Me. If I if I'm doing if I'm doing a story, I think in my own personal backlog at home. Right. If I if I estimate these items and I don't quite finish one, then I don't give myself credit for the the partial work. Um, and, and this is sort of uh, coming around to intrinsic motivation, extrinsic motivation, is it? If, if the team is expecting credit from someone else, then that's a that's a dangerous dynamic. But in, mo in most cases that I see, where I see velocity being <coughs> used, mm -hmm. or um, or perhaps used, as I would put it, used incorrectly, it's because they feel that that's how their superiors or management yeah. or the boss or the product owner mm. is measuring that team's ability. Sure. Sure, and that, that that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, my my, without thinking too much about it, my my default assumption there was that I'm looking at this from my own personal perspective of yeah of delivery and getting a, getting a feel for what I can do, um, so that I can become a lot more confident and predictable uh, and know myself better. And, and you know, the best teams that I work with, they will they will use velocity that way. Because mm. um, so I think there's a lot of velocity haters. I'm not a velocity hater by any stretch. Okay. 
Um, what would they hate about it? I think people um, think that it's the you know the people will say it's the demise of agile that you know we're trying to be too scientific about unpredictable um, way of working. Which okay. there's we we kind of I, I accept that there is an unpredictability to how the work will evolve and the project will unfold. Mm-hmm. But um, I still think. Um, Velocity as a as a trend as as a mapping over time because I've I've been known known coaching teams that are on sprint ninety six and they've got ninety six sprints worth of velocity data which is and almost now down to a a seasonal level obviously there's there's a churn in team members and a churn in staff that does affect their performance but there's also months of the year that they are generally more unproductive than others yeah because of the weather because of their mood because of the you know holidays the holidays all that type of stuff so it can be quite um useful as a long-term planning tool but i think where i see teams trying to be too precise about it it's probably being used used more of a short-term um and performance appraisal rather than a, a planning trend okay so, I mean, if we were to answer that question specifically, then what would what would your view be? I well, if I was if I was being blunt, mm. I wouldn't I would not count. I would not even try and I wouldn't give any any time really to calculating how much of a, a partial delivery that story was. Okay, I would either say it's either done or it wasn't. Okay, but what I would encourage the team to do in their retrospective. Is perhaps look back at that piece of information and say, would we do anything different with that in the next sprint? If another similar piece of work came, came up, would we estimate it differently? Would we? But in terms of the velocity measure, in terms of what the actual number was, I think it's, it should be quite straightforward. Either we did, we finished it, or we didn't. Okay. And that that. When I started my answer with, I think there's at least two ways of dealing with this. One is the mechanics of actually what you do with that story and and velocity and things, but also then where do you, what do you go, go forward with, and how do you use that? Which is what you're saying. Yeah. Reflect on the estimation process. Reflect on the story. Reflect on how you treated it during the sprint. How you organised yourself. You know whether it could be smaller. Whether you could have paired up on it. Whether you could have tested earlier whatever to to give yourself a better chance of, of delivering rather than overly analyze the percentage complete yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I can buy that that sits, that sits nicely with me yeah and i'm a lot more i think you get a lot more value from the reflection than you do from the calculation yeah absolutely and that, I think we both agree that really that's what velocity is there there for. Of course, there's a there's a useful element in terms of predictability planning, in terms of others being able to see. Well, do you know what? The data is telling us we're not going to be able to meet this goal. So why carry on throwing bad money after good? There, there is that to it. But in terms of uh, or getting to know your capacity, getting to know how you can organise yourselves and use that information to to make yourselves more effective. And, it does come back to what you're saying about your running. It's a similar thing, isn't it? In terms of if it's used as an honest metric, yeah. you know that you did 25 points mm. um, on average yeah. for the last six months. Mm-hmm. 
um, it's somewhat reassuring to know that that's what you're capable of. It's like so your your average or your personal best is yeah. in running is, is, is if, I, if I'm hitting that or at least somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah. So I can look. I mean, I had I hit my personal best of. Uh, maybe a week and a half, two weeks ago, and since then I've gone backwards. So I, I knocked a minute off my personal best time for this particular route, um, and I, I captured that information. And last week I was uh, back to 45 seconds slower again. So uh, if I, if I can see, what, come back to what you were talking about earlier on, the pressure on a team to to give a particular impression of, of pace and, and in constant improvement and things like that, that might be a difficult message to to put out there it's not that I didn't finish the story it's just I was slow on that, yeah. that run um, but actually looking back and thinking well what, what was different about those two runs you know the fact that I'd had a had a takeaway the night before or had a couple of pints the night before the slower run um, or the fact that I had less of a break or you know, the weather was different what, what was what was different about those two runs that I can learn from to try and you know, use that going forward oh. That was more useful than than the data itself. Okay, I think we've answered that question, Jeff. I'm 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 happy with you. Happy with that? Yeah. Okay. Um, was did you have anything on your um, Twitter feed, Jeff? Um, there was another one about consultants. I think there wasn't there wasn't really a question. It was just a consultant consultants discuss. discuss. That was from Amy Thompson. Consultants discuss. And consultants have come up in uh, in our topic before. Yeah, it's it's. Um, Often, often considered a dirty word, isn't it? Consultants, mm. but I mean, it doesn't. It's, it's not completely unrelated to the to the first question, really, because I mean, certainly in my experience, consultants have, for better or worse, f- for whatever reason, often tied themselves to you know, we we can help you adopt agile, we can help you become a more agile organisation, we can help you improve your velocity, uh, because it's an easy metric to put yeah. out there, I, even if it's. Actually, if you look underneath it, it's not very easy uh, because there are too many variables. It's something that you can you could put out there to to management and say this is this is a measure of success. Yeah, proving their worth, if you like. Do you consider yourself a consultant? Um, I try not to be. Do you put it on like um, sometimes you get asked, don't you, know, like car insurance or whatever you say? Mm. Oh, there's, so there's drop downs. I struggle to find myself. Wait, you know. Which box do you put yourself into? Um, Job description in generic. That's a good question. I can't remember what I, I actually blogged about this a I while ago. I can't remember what I put myself Because certainly when I'm explaining to my parents, who really do not understand what I do for a living, yeah. sometimes the easiest thing to say is consultant. But, I, think, um, I think I put myself down as therapist now. Therapist. Organisational therapist. Mm. Nice. Nice job, but it's interesting. It, it, I think we we determine the word consultant as someone who knows how to fix something. If I go to a medical consultant, yeah, I'm expecting them to first to be able to diagnose my yeah problem. And They're then, specialists. They specialise yes. in a particular area, and they know exactly. I'm I'm passing. I it's also risk. I'm I'm passing over some kind of risk that that they that for my health for, yeah. for, for, to a certain extent they're going to take care of me and they're going to do what's right for me that's interesting I, 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 I agree with that in a practical sense but if you look at the word consultant basically I'm going to somebody for con- consultation yeah. yeah, they're going to give me their opinion and then I have to choose what to do with that but certainly in the medical profession you, are, you just trust their opinion they're going to make a 
diagnosis they're going to actually decide what the, the plan of action is yeah you have and you have very little I mean you do well, have a say and you have to agree to it yeah. but you've got no you can ask for a second opinion if you really don't like it but ultimately yeah yeah the, the, the choice is in their hands you're, mm. you're devolving responsibility in a way aren't you and mm. I think that that's a, that's a common common approach for many organizations in many things they'll have their HR consultants wouldn't they that will come in and give them some HR policies and, and things mm. like this and, and I always, uh, again, maybe a, may a stereotypical view, when I hear the word consultant, I think sharp suit mm -hmm. and tie. Mm -hmm. And a kind of smart, you know, kind of business-like, very much a corporate image. Soulless. I wouldn't get that far, but, <laughs> but, um, may, but yeah, just a very, um, a very corporate aspect, whereas I, I wouldn't describe myself is particularly corporate yeah. I think I used to be but I don't think I well standing sitting here today in jeans and hoodie I would hardly be described as mm. sharp suit but um, no I think I think I think people will still always want consultant particularly from an agile perspective yeah people will want someone to, to come in and give them their opinion and almost take that risk and say this is what I think you should do this is for the good of your organisation you mm. should do this well, it's comforting, risky game it? though it's comforting I mean you say risky but it's also almost riskless in that you don't want to take that risk yourself you're passing it on to somebody else and it's comforting isn't it if you know that there's someone out there with some expertise and you say well I don't then have to make the difficult decisions I don't have to work it out myself I just pass it on to somebody else but often I mean, my experience and I know some of my experience is shared with you, by you so we've seen how consultants can come in make some promises it doesn't work and then and then they leave Fair and that organisation has, yeah. has to live with it um, I mean, are you, am I a consultant? I, I, like I said I try not to be because I think I think a lot of people want the likes of you and me to be consultants yeah and actually I I am um, so I've been doing a lot of uh, free coaching for, for people in the Agile community recently, trying to get them to experience what I consider real coaching to be. And we touched on this a little bit last time, but um, the most uh, when people say, "Yeah, I would like I would like a free coaching session," they have to answer why. What, what do they want from it? And m the vast majority of them are looking for advice. Really? Yeah, they're looking. Oh, Jeff's got some experience with this. Jeff's got um, I really like some some advice, some some guidance, some some mentoring. I've got this problem. You know, I want to, I want to know how Jeff would solve it. Uh -huh. um, and you know, the first the first part of our session is explaining. Well, that's consultancy. Uh, right. This is coaching. And so I explain a coaching process of helping them work through their challenges, their assumptions, their thought processes work out what their options are, how they would like to take it forward. And it's difficult because obviously I do have opinions and you know, there is if I was in that situation there is a way that I would deal with it mm. more often than not. Do you find it hard not not to give your opinion? I find it easier than I used to yeah. because I I'm more practiced at it now. Yeah. Um, but one of the, so one of the one of the people that I was coaching recently um, was trying to work out whether they they should be coaching in an area where they have domain expertise, right? Um, and I can see value in that. So you know, if you if you if you know if you know tennis a lot, then yeah. it makes sense to, to coach in tennis because you can you can you can help with that. But 
Um, personally, I prefer to coach in areas where I don't have don't expertise. So you can I'm less tempted. You can stay more neutral. Yeah, it's easier for me to stay neutral because I can't. I can I, I can rationalise with myself that I don't have the answer. I don't. I may have an answer, but I'm less confident that mm. it's the answer. Mm. So it's easier for me to hold it back. Mm. Mm. Now, the, there was a interesting. I mean, there's a book called The Inner Game. That's a tennis. That's about tennis. Yeah, I've, yeah. I heard that book. Tennis coaching. Yeah, and um, it was a different approach. Rather than you know, teaching technique, it was uh, largely reflective. And right. So they had they trained these coaches up to to teach well, to coach tennis players without teaching them specific technique, and um, it got effective. Um, what was interesting was that they they changed from I forget the details now. It was it involved golf, so they went from one sport to another basically, and they found that the the, the people who had less of the of the domain knowledge, the experience in that particular sport, were more effective really? in coaching because they were focusing a lot more on that person mm. and helping them reflect on their own game and, mm. and giving them the tools and techniques to actually look at themselves and, and, and self-analyze. Whereas those that had the experience in that particular sport found it harder to, to detach themselves from it. Mm. It's a bit, uh, coming back to the whole um, difference between consultants and coaches. Agile coach, agile Consultants don't go to five years of agile school no. to learn the best practice for being an agile to doing agile. No. Whereas in the medical profession, if mm. I want to be a hernia surgeon, mm. I'd go to medical school for five, ten years yeah. and learn how to do surgery on yeah. hernias. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, are we? Tr is the danger we're trying to apply the consultant? Because if you buy, if I mean, for IT consultancy generally. If you want to outsource a piece of work or a project, you say you take it to a software house and say, "Build me this." Mm. But and they they do kind of have. You'd hope you're buying the knowledge and the skill in building a similar product, similar products that you've seen them build before. Mm -hmm. That's what consultancies do. But I don't think agile's an agile consultancy can can do that. Mm. I don't think you can say I know how to do this because I've done this type of thing before. Yeah. Even though people still come to us and say, well, you've done it in BT, you've done it in Nokia, you've done it in whatever. Doesn't mean to say that what we know is mm. the right thing for you. Yeah. So um, how can you assume that we're consultants in that process? Is that just because nobody's really developed a, a good enough diagnostic process? You know, like in, in medicine, you can you can run certain tests, you yeah. can isolate certain areas, but MRI. I mean, and a human body is is complex, it's complicated, but it's it's not as complicated as the the systems dynamics of a of a, of a large organisation. Um, and so it's very difficult to isolate certain tests and do diagnostics at the system level, isn't it? Mm. I think that's where you know, this this focus on safe to fail experiments and, and there is no blueprint and you, know, you have to work it out bit by bit mm. it's so frustrating for consultancies because they would love to be able to to come along and say right this this is the this is the step yeah. process that we're going to follow and this is the answer that we're going to get and then once we get this answer this is what we're going to do and an organization i can imagine being a you know a, running a large organization and how nice that would be to be able to go i really really want that to go to a consultancy and say, okay, now, I know it's expensive, but you've got a well thought out process, yeah. follow it and it's going to be fine. 
such a difficult message for a, for a leader of an organisation to hear. Do you know what? There isn't. There isn't one. Um, it can't. We can't. We can't tell you exactly what to do. Yeah. But that desire is is playing into the hands of of some people who are perhaps less scrupulous and will make out that they do have an answer. Okay. I think we've done that one. Is that enough for discussion? Yeah, that's good. We discussed that. There's one more I want to discuss. We've got, we've got a five minutes or so left. It's um, something you tweeted the other day, Jeff. Okay. Um, it created a bit of a, a thread. Mm. I can't remember what the original th- the tweet was, but it was basically suggesting... No, it was about the product owner. The product owner's involvement mm. in the Daily Scrum, I believe. Yeah. Can you remember what the gist of it was? Yeah, well, I, it, it, I tweeted about... Um, sometimes it might be useful to prime the product owner before attending a Daily Scrum to avoid them... Doing anything that might um, inhibit the team yep. uh, in what they say or what they do, um, and that's it was it was a, a short quote taken from a snippet, a, a, yeah, a snippet from from a paragraph in my book, which is about the the importance of the product owner and the team's relationship, and the equal importance of the daily scrum being used for the team. Uh, and the first response was from someone who said, well, the scrum guide says the product owner can't participate in the daily yeah, scrum, yeah. Which, which is true. Yeah. According to the scrum guide, the product owner cannot participate in the daily scrum. The only people who can participate, according to the rules of scrum, are the development team. Okay. According to the rules of scrum, the scrum master can't even participate in the daily scrum. They're there to make sure that the team are the only ones that do. And the purpose of that is, 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 is to stop the meeting being derailed, to stop the team feeling like uh, they have to report to anybody, um, stopping people coming in and asking them questions and derailing it is it's there to to protect the purpose of the daily scrum and mm. I get that and that's great um, but the best scrum teams that I've seen have moved past that mm. and will involve the product owner and that they, they they will be seen as part of the team they will see themselves as part of the team and they will be collectively working out how to how to move forward for the next 24 hours so, um, so it led to a bit of a discussion I did and I think sometimes well we can sometimes be accused of being dogmatic about the whole scrum yep. I, I think to an extent something like the scrum guide does promote that mm-hmm. but I'd, for good reason and but I'd, I'd go on Will I go on record? Yeah, I'd probably go on record and say there's some things in there that I probably disagree. I, I do disagree with in terms of that. I I do absolutely think that product owners really should be part of, of the daily scrum. I, I think I think all the healthy teams that I've seen that get a lot of useful uh, get have a really strong bond with the product owner are ones where the product owner is not in the daily scrum, but they're in a retrospective as well. Mm-hmm. Even you know they're an automatic selection. It's not something again the scrum guys suggest by invitation. Yeah, by invitation only should the product owner be there but no in, t- in my mind absolutely they should uh, yeah, a, a product owner should feel that they can contribute to all, all the scrum hmm. meetings it's not something that's I think sometimes people take it a bit literally that and I think there is a time there is a time to to actually be really strict with the rules and I, I think there will be times when you might disagree. There, there, I think there are times when actually the right thing to do is to not let anybody else talk at the daily scrum. I think there are some times when the right thing to do is not let anybody else attend the daily scrum in some circumstances because the primary focus at that moment in time is to, to, is to give the team enough 
confidence and comfort to actually talk to each other. But that other. does depend on the, that's contextual, that depends Absolutely, on the it's contextual. Team. Yeah. And so there are times, what I was trying to say there in, in, uh, online, which isn't very easy in 140 characters, was that there are times when actually having a really strict rule and applying it is the right thing to do, but there are also times when applying that really strict rule is the wrong thing to do, and it would set the team and the organisation backwards. Mm. I mean, the Scrum Guide has a, has a very black and white view to protect from the worst case scenario. Yes. All right, but there are times when, hopefully, we get past that. Mm. And, you know, the need for... And that's sometimes the difficulty I, I find <coughs> as a trainer, I don't know if you do as well, that sometimes you feel you do have to train what the curriculum suggests. Yeah. But you almost want people to, to see past, like I said, see past that, see mm -hmm. beyond that, see what the rules are there for to, to instill, and then see how the rules actually can be... Not manipulated, but but how what the the principles behind the rules rather than the rules themselves. Yeah. And then once you understand those, it becomes a bit easier to see what the benefit is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's um, and again, the, the people get really again really we struggle with this in BT a lot. Really stuck around the whole three questions side of things, thinking that again the three questions are set in stone that these things that uh, are repeated, you know, monotonously, robotically mm -hmm. every day by every two. Today I did this, yesterday I did, and it's that kind of drone that you get. And for me, that's where it's been people are taking the rules far too literally. Mm -hmm. That those are just suggestions how, how you can vary that and how you can allow teams to see different ways of sharing that, 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 those, that knowledge and that progress is, is all good. But if mm -hmm. people take it too literally, then you'll end up with just a very tiresome process that people will end up hating. I think I saw someone mentioned about the daily scrum being zombie-ish yeah if you just uh, if you're just monotonously reporting on those questions to your teammates it's you're missing the point as you say it's the point behind the rules yeah I mean I, I tend to take a, a hat based approach to my training where I'll wear my official scrum trainer hat and say alright this is what the scrum guide says this is why it says it now I'm going to take my scrum trainer hat on hat off and put my Jeff hat on and say mm -hmm. Okay, there are certain circumstances where you might want to do something different, um, and here is why, and here is what to be concerned about. Yeah, um, and explore that as a group. There we go. That went that went quickly. Yeah, we're pretty much done. So um, I think we'll draw a close there, Jeff. Thank you very much. It's been um, it's been emotional. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you for your questions. Thank you to uh, for sending those through. Um, I think we've, we, we're more than welcome to hear from you again if you would like other things for us to discuss. We'll, we'll try, we do try and vary the themes and the agendas of, the, uh, of these things. Um, but I think that's pretty much it. All right. Cheers then. Cheers. See you soon.